Make it personal. Maybe there's a situation that you're facing today or something that you're going through and you're just in need of this song not to be just lyrics on a screen, but something lived out. Well, we don't just sing songs. We believe that the God of those songs, we believe the God of the Bible is here. He's alive and powerful and active and able to move. So come on, would you declare those things over your life and your situation today? Center following the service. In addition to that, on the back side of that card is a place that you can sign up if you have prayer requests, something that we can pray with you about. If you'd like to be involved in something that's going on at our church, an opportunity to serve. Uh, this coming Saturday, we're going to be moving some things over to the fairgrounds in the afternoon and setting up for the service next week. If you want to be a part of that, if you're available uh, next uh, this coming Saturday afternoon, you can fill that out on the connection card. I want to sign up to serve on Saturday, and you can put that on there, and we'll contact you and work out the details and all that kind of stuff, and let us know that uh, that you're available and interested in helping with that. So we'd love for you to fill out that connection card. Like I said, you can place it in the offering now, or you can bring it uh, to the Connection Center later in the service. So thank you for that. Let's pray over our offering. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you blessed us. We're thankful for those that have to give today. And Lord, for those that are in need and not able to give today, Lord, we pray that you would just 
provide every one of their needs, that you would meet their needs, that they would know you as their provider. And Lord, as they put you first in their lives, they would see you bless them in incredible ways beyond what they've ever experienced. We're thankful for how you provide for this, your church, and that you use us in the process. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give today. Would you help me express our appreciation for our worship team this morning and leading us in worship? Turn in our Bibles today to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, and I'm so excited to be back at New Life today and to share with you a message that God dropped into my spirit a few weeks ago, uh, but I wasn't fully set on the direction or what shape it was going to take, but God gave me some clarity during our time in the Holy Lands, and I've been excited to share it with you, and it's really hard for me to have been away uh, for two weeks. I don't know that I've been away for two Sundays in a row. Uh, since I've been here, and uh, as much as we enjoyed our time in the Holy Lands, I was excited to be back here. We were watching the, the clips of the service online uh, where we could, and, uh, and it was exciting to see what God was doing here. I appreciate Pastor Craig Johnson and Derek Buescher for sharing uh, and, and really bringing some powerful messages and uh, speaking into our church, and we're, we're really honored to have had them here and, and be a part of that. Today... Uh, I want to talk to you about this idea of one person and one church. Have you ever wondered if you, as one person, can make a difference in the world? In the face of the world's concerns, it's tempting to think that one person doesn't really matter. Just take recycling, for example. You may be a recycling enthusiast, but what a lot of people struggle with when it comes to Recycling is that amongst all the people in the world who give no thought to the green movement, does it really matter if I separate my plastics and my cardboard and put cans in a place? One church. What makes anyone think that one church, one small church like this one, can make a lasting difference? For that matter, what difference does one day's offering, like we're doing next week, make, or one act of service? Can one person or one church really make that much of a difference? If you've attended New Life Church before, you know, because we say it often, that we exist so that people far from God can experience new life in Christ. That's the purpose um, of why we exist. It was long before I was here as pastor, uh, before many of you ever knew about New Life Church or were a part of it. It was decided that that was a valid reason for existence, that there were people in Laramie, Wyoming, that should be able to experience new life in Christ. What does that mean? Does it mean that if I already know Jesus, then this isn't the church for me because this church only cares about people that are far from God? No, that's not it at all. Because new life in Christ doesn't end when you pray a prayer and become a Christian. In fact, that's important, but that's just the beginning. New life in Christ impacts every part of your life. It's about salvation, heaven and hell. It's about a relationship with God, that God knows you and loves you, but he wants you to know him. And grow in your relationship with him. It's not only about our relationship with God, but about our relationship with others. About accountability and family and being together because we were designed to do life together. And it's about life. Not just getting by, not just survival, but life to the fullest. That's the word of God describes it. It will impact your family. It will impact your relationships, your values, your marriage, your kids, the legacy that you leave. It will impact your finances. 
stewardship and generosity and giving and God's blessings in your life, it'll impact your outlook on life. There's meaning and purpose and value to things that maybe previously seemed mundane. We want to be a life-giving church that makes a difference in our community and in the lives of people as they become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. And as people, we want to be life-giving people that make a difference in our community and in the lives of others so that they see something in us and desire new life in Christ as well. A church that makes a difference filled with people that makes a difference. One of our core values here at New Life is that we are Laramie, Wyoming. That may sound funny to you, but we believe in a culture of involvement. We believe that God has placed us in this community at this time, and we're determined to be a part of what makes this great community the great community that it is. We value community and involvement and relationships. We're committed to uh, the participation and support of our community as we find ways to give back more to our community than what we ask from our community. There's people who will argue that we aren't supposed to be of the world, so how can we be so focused on the world? How can we say that we are Laramie, Wyoming, when we're supposed to be focused on, on the world that's coming? And the truth is, I think that's why God tells us way before that we aren't of this world, he reminds us that we're still in the world. And his vision for us is that we would be the light of the world and a city on a hill that can't be hidden. And if we aren't careful, it's so easy to become so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. Heaven is going to be amazing. I'm excited that I'm going to be there. It's going to be awesome, but there's a lot of work for us to do before we go. So it may be winter, but we don't get the privilege of hibernating like the bears. Our mission is to make a difference. So after we overcome the spiritual objections, we get to a place of understanding that this is what God would have us to do. Then we face the practical objections. What difference can one person make? What difference can one church make? And I'm so glad that you asked that because that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. And we're going to look at Acts 17, verse 24 through 28. Paul's in Athens. He's walked around, familiarized himself with the city. He's noticed a couple things. And this is how he, part of his response, you can read verses before this as well to see some other things that he shares. But in verse 24, he's, he's speaking to unbelievers and he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he's not far away from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. I think that when you look at Paul's statement, you see this being said as a person whose life was on a completely different course at one point in his life, but God intervened and transformed his life. I think that you could look at this as Paul being part of the early church that as we saw last week when we were in the Holy Lands, and even as, as Derek shared in his sermon last week about Israel, God strategically positioned his church, the early church, at the crossroads of the nations because of language and commerce and trade and influential seaports and the Roman expansion and so many other factors, 
Paul is seeing how God has orchestrated all these things, that God has been moving behind the scenes and the little details. And as a result, ordinary people like Paul and an unlikely small group called the church are influential in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to other parts of the known world. In short, Paul is saying that one person, one church matters, not necessarily because of the person or the church, but because little is much when God is in it. You can make a case in certain circumstances that one can make a big difference. In 1654, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of England. And in 1649, one vote caused Charles I of England to lose his head. Those are pretty significant ones, right? In 1968, Dr. David Nayland discovered a treatment, pretty simple treatment. Water mixed with salt and sugar and the right combination could reduce the death of infants with diarrhea. And, and this treatment has been estimated to have saved over 50 million lives to date. Just one person made a simple discovery. That's what one can do in the natural. Now imagine what one can do with God. Last week when we were in the Holy Lands, we got to see the spot where one prophet, Elijah, stood against 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah and saw God move in a powerful way. We saw the place where the lunch of one boy in the hands of Jesus fed more than 5,000 men plus women and kids. And yes, we got to go to the spot where David killed Goliath. It was exciting. <laughs> one little shepherd boy took on a giant. I want you to know that you can make a difference because God has positioned you. It may seem like to you that where you are what you are is insignificant. You may question how God could use you or why he would, but I want to remind you that God takes the things that are foolish in the eyes of the world to confound the wise. They said of Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And yet God chose for his son to be that person, to do just that. Can one church make a difference? What could God do with a little church from Laramie, Wyoming? Well, I love seeing what God is doing with it, and I believe that the best is yet to come for our church. I want you to know that God is working behind the scenes in ways that we cannot see to orchestrate the details of our lives and the future for this church. He's uniquely positioned us to accomplish his purpose. Where we are is not an accident, but it's an assignment. And where you are is not an accident. It's an assignment. In the same way that God uniquely positioned the early church and the crossroads of the nations to influence the world, I look at Laramie, Wyoming, and I see a crossroads in our state a natural one, and I see a university that sends out people from our state and from around the world to impact the world, and I see God doing the same thing in our church. Paul saw how God sovereignly orchestrated the intricate details, and he said in the verses we just read in, in Acts 17, verse 26, he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Mordecai, he saw the same thing in the life of Esther. He saw God moving behind the scenes and positioning her for a strategic time in her life. And he said, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Many of your lives, you're at such a time as this moment. I believe where we are with our church is at such a time as this moment. We've talked about since the beginning of the year about our 2020 vision. And I've shared with you in detail what God has done in New Life Church over the last two years, two and a half years, it's nothing short of miraculous. 
And I believe that God has a perfect plan for our church. I believe that he's been working behind the scenes, orchestrating the details of our future before we even knew it. And I'm going to share more with you about that next Sunday at our one big Sunday, which is another reason that you need to be there. Not only good food, but we've got a lot to celebrate together. It's going to be an incredible day at the fairgrounds. I'm excited to share with you and celebrate what God's doing because I believe God's uniquely positioned our church. And it's not an accident, but it's an assignment from him. We are making a difference in our community and we're going to continue making a difference in our community. We have some big things that we want to share with you, so you need to be there. God has positioned you. Not only that, but I believe that you can make a difference because God has commissioned you. God has commissioned you. You can make a difference in your life because God's commissioned you. You have a purpose in your life. Your life isn't meaningless. Your church, this church exists for a purpose. We've already talked about our mission statement, but I want you to see why that's important from a Bible standpoint. I want you to look in John chapter 15, verse 8. John 15, verse 8. God's commissioned us. He has a plan and a purpose, and we're accountable for our assignment. And we see that in John 15, 8, where it says, This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The sign of a disciple isn't just what you do inside the four walls of a church. It's actually what you do outside those walls that matters. The Bible's clear in many places that our fruit matters. In our lives, we're going to be judged by the fruit that comes out of our lives. Our church exists to bear much fruit. It says this, that we are to show ourselves in doing this and having fruit and bearing fruit, we show ourselves to be his disciples. We can talk and sing songs all day long, but what are we showing by our fruit? What is our life display. I have a short video that I recorded in the Holy Lands. Obviously, I'm not there now, but I recorded this video there, and uh, I want to share it with you. Just a brief idea uh, that God laid in my heart when we were walking the streets of one of the towns. Good morning, New Life Church. This is Pastor Matt, and I'm coming to you from Capernaum right now, uh, the town where Jesus lived and did a whole lot of his ministry. Behind me is a synagogue on the very site where the synagogue that Jesus would frequent is located right over here uh, to my left is uh, possibly the home of Peter and the, the beginnings of the very early church and just exciting for us uh, to be here and for our team to be a part of uh, this trip and seeing everything that's going on. I want to challenge you with a small thought that Dr. Wave Nunnerly, our, our guide, has challenged us with the thought that a lot of people want to walk where Jesus walked, but who's willing to live like Jesus lived? And just that thought has been uh, just repeatedly going through my head all day as we walk on these streets where Jesus walked. We see the spots where he did miracles and performed so many of the great things that we read about. It's one thing to walk where he walked. It's another thing to live like he lived. And so we're excited to be back with you here in just a few short days and share more details of what God's done on this trip. But we love you. Thanks so much. Hope all of you are already saving your shekels to come with us on the next Holy Lands tour that we do. Love you guys. Have a great day. So that idea that a lot of people want to walk where Jesus walked, but who's willing to live like he lived? What, what fruit is your life producing? Your mission in life, your God-given purpose wasn't to, to grow your net worth or your credit score to accumulate the most stuff and then you win. We have a purpose that's greater and we're all going to be held accountable for our assignment from God. And that isn't a threat and it shouldn't be a, a chore. John 15 goes on a few verses later in verse 11. He says this, I've told you this. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
Your life has a purpose. It has a meaning. You have a mission, and these are great things. It's not a chore or an obligation. It should be a joy. When you live for something other than yourself, when you impact people's lives around you, when you bless others in God's name, there's a joy that comes that you experience from God that you can't experience any other way. And there's a lot of people that have never experienced anything like that before. Joy doesn't happen when you make a lot of money. That can bring a temporary happiness. Joy doesn't happen when you get to go on a big vacation. It doesn't happen when your sports team wins because they're going to lose again. <laughs> Not my team. I'm talking about yours. <laughs> Joy isn't any of those things. Joy comes from living a life that goes beyond yourself. Sociologists will call it living a transcendent life. When you live life like that, God gets on, gets involved in the process, and then he blesses us because he sees that we get that it's not all about us and that we're going to be a blessing to others and that we'll be obedient to what he tells us to do. And so that's the kind of person that he wants to bless even more. Are you obedient to the assignment that God has for your life? Is your life bearing fruit? Likely it's bearing some kind of fruit. Is it the right fruit? Are you experiencing joy as a result of your obedience to God's plan in your life? I believe that you can make a difference because God has positioned you I believe that you can make a difference because God has commissioned you, and I believe that you can make a difference because God has air-conditioned you. You heard that right. God has air-conditioned you. What does that mean? Well, that's kind of the point. We're so stinking blessed that we don't even realize it. Today, most of you got in your car, and this may be your only car, but it also might be just one of many cars that your family has, and probably today you didn't turn on the air conditioner, you turned on the heat, right? Some of you might have even remote started the car from the comfort of the inside of your warm house. Or maybe you didn't need to because in addition to your house that you live in, your car also has its own house, right? You have a house that's entirely for your car and for junk that you don't want inside your house, but it has its own house. And today it was the heater in your car that you needed and maybe even heated seats and heated steering wheel and heated side mirrors and all that kind of stuff. Who knows, maybe tomorrow it'll be back in the 70s and we need our air conditioners again because we have bipolar weather during this time of year. <laughs> Last week, Laramie had some really cold days, but it also had some really warm days. And there was one day that it was like freezing in Laramie, but let me tell you, I wasn't in Laramie and I was in Masada and it was hot. We were like dying of heat. It was nearly 100 degrees. And uh, although Jesus and the disciples got around Israel on foot, I was thankful for a bus and for air conditioning. Are you following where I'm going with this? We're blessed beyond what we realize. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world. Some of you stop listening after that first line because you're not rich. Do you realize that compared to most people in the world, you are beyond rich? you realize that $40,000 a year household income not individual income, but your combined household income puts you in the top percentages of wealth in our world. And you don't think you're rich because you know someone richer, but we just realize, we don't realize how blessed that we are. We need to. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, 
and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I don't say this today to make you feel good or to make you feel bad. I'm not going to take up another offering. I just want you to know that you're blessed. God doesn't want us guilty. He wants us responsible. We are going to be accountable. We need to take responsibility for the fact that we've been blessed by God. We need to open our eyes and realize that we have it better than so many people around the world that struggle in so many ways that we can't even understand. And if we've been blessed, then we have to understand the purpose of that blessing. In the same way that our life has a purpose, God's blessing in our lives has a purpose as well. Listen to what he told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God had a blessing for Abraham, but it wasn't just for Abraham. It wasn't just for his family. It wasn't just for his bloodline. He says, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God's desire is to bless his people. And in blessing them, it's not just for them. It's not to make their name great. It's not just to build up their bank account. It's so that all people can be blessed through them. I believe that God wants to reach our community through what he does in our lives. And he wants to bless our community through how he blesses our lives. And I know what you're thinking, that this is a 4,000-year-old promise to one person, and do you really think that this applies to us today? Well, yes, I do. I know it does, and I'm going to show you. Galatians 3, 14 says this. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's promise to bless Abraham is a promise for us today. And the purpose of that promise is not so that we can live in excess, so that we can eat all the more and drive all the more and wear all the more, but it's so that God can give us and bless others through what he's blessed us with. We're blessed to be a blessing, and in the same way we're accountable for our assignment, we're accountable for our blessing. Luke 12, 48 says that when someone has been given much, much will be required in return, and when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. We believe that God has more for us. I believe it. I believe that God has more for you in your life. I believe that God has more for this church. Why? Because God has more for the people of Laramie. God has more for the students in our school district. He has more for the students at the University of Wyoming. He has more for the people that are around us. He has more for Albany County. He has more for Wyoming. 2 Corinthians 9.11, you can't escape this principle all throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9.11 says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. <coughs> all throughout the Bible, you can't escape the principle that what God does in you is bigger than just you. He has positioned us. He has commissioned us. He's air-conditioned us. He's blessed us. We can make a difference. There are people that need what we have. There are people that need to experience new life in Christ. 
Today we started with one question. What difference can one person, what difference can one church make? With 2019 quickly coming to an end, but it's not over yet. We have about six and a half weeks left, and I not only think that you can make a difference in life and that this church over the course of time can make a difference, but I believe that you can make a difference before the end of the year, and this church can make a difference in this community before the end of the year. In fact, I believe that you can make a difference this week. I believe this church can make a difference this week, and I'm going to give you some practical ways. And these are, this is not an exclusive list. This is not everything. God's got an assignment for you, and maybe he speaks to your heart about one of these things, and that's awesome. These are some opportunities for you, but maybe God's assignment for you is completely different, and you need to simply be obedient to what God would speak to you because you can make a difference. But the difference between people who make a difference and people who make a wish is what you do. So if you just wish to make a difference, if you just hope that you can make a difference, if you just desire to make a difference but you never do anything, you won't make a difference. Next Sunday is one big Sunday. We've talked about it a little bit this morning. We showed the video for, for uh, One Day to Feed the World. We're not going to be here in this building. Once again, we're going to be over in the fairgrounds just about a mile from here toward town. The big, the big metal building is right as you drive in. We'll be there. We're going to have one service. It's going to be a celebration service. We're excited about all that God is going to do uh, at our celebration services throughout the year. We celebrate all the things that God has done since the last time we celebrated. If there's people that want to be baptized, we encourage them to be baptized that day. If there's people that have attended the church for a while and they want to become members of new life, we encourage them to become members that day. If there's people that have a child that needs to be dedicated to the Lord, that they've never dedicated to the Lord, we'd love to dedicate kids to the Lord that day. We recognize one of our volunteers that served in the church throughout that course of time. So many things that we're going to do on this particular celebration Sunday. We're going to have our Thanksgiving meal following the service. The church is going to provide all the meat. We're going to be having deep fried and smoked turkeys, all kinds of good stuff, and everyone just brings a family side to share. We want to have an abundance of food because we want to invite students that don't have the ability to go home for Thanksgiving to be with us next Sunday and be a part of our big Thanksgiving meal. We want to invite international students that maybe this is their first time experiencing what Thanksgiving is. We want them to come and be a part of that. Last year, this Sunday of the year that we're doing was our biggest Sunday of the year. We packed this place out, and when it came time to eat, we were packing people eating everywhere, in kitchen counters and in side rooms and in kids' church rooms and everywhere we could. And so that we've decided this year to have one big service in a bigger location to be able to celebrate what God has done and allow this uh, service and the meal to continue to grow. We want you to be a part of it. In addition to that, as we're going to be feasting and filling ourselves, not only Sunday, but probably two or three times Throughout the week, we're going to have different get-togethers with family or work or, or potlucks that you're going to have. Uh, we, want to, we want to be a part of not only feeding ourselves, but being a part of making a difference. And so one way that you can make a difference is the one day to feed the world. When you came in today, along with your worship guide, you probably got one of these booklets. It'll give you a little bit more information about it. On our social media, you can find the videos and the information about what One Day to Feed the World is. There's all kinds of children feeding programs in the world. You can make a, a monthly pledge to this organization or that organization. Convoy of Hope is by far the best organization. And I don't say that to slander other organizations or, or whatever, but the reason I say that is because 100% of the money that you give to Convoy of Hope 
doesn't go to administrative costs, doesn't go to pay office expenses and pay for these booklets and all that kind of stuff. That money, those funds come out of completely different funds. When you give to Convoy of Hope, when you give to One Day to Feed the World, 100% of that money goes to the programs that you're giving it to go to. And that's why we support Convoy of Hope quite a bit. So we also have the, the whole idea behind One Day to Feed the World is that you would work one day and that you would give the wages from that one day's work towards feeding kids. And, and that makes a huge difference around the world, as you saw in the video earlier. We have these stickers here today. If you didn't get one, we, we can hand some of these out. CJ has some on this side. Max has some on this side, along with an envelope. We encourage you, the day that you're choosing to work, to donate that day to Feed the World, that you wear your sticker and it'd be a conversation piece for you. When people ask, hey, what's, what's Give One Day Convoy of Hope mean? You can tell them, I'm working today so that I can feed kids around the world and make a difference in their life. So everything that I earn today is going to One Day to Feed the World. Oftentimes, wearing that sticker and having that conversation causes other people to want to contribute or want to give or We've even seen times where employers have doubled people's salary that day or they've matched that donation. And the great thing, if you saw in the video at the beginning of the service, is that our donation from One Day to Feed the World is being doubled by another organization that Convoy of Hope has said, we'll double, we'll double all of your One Day to Feed the World income this year. So not only when you give $40, $50, $60, whatever it is that you give from your One Day's work, kids giving their One Day allowance, $2, whatever it is, not only is that going 100% toward the kids, but it's being doubled. And so it's an incredible opportunity for you to make a difference in the world. That's one way right there. That's one way automatically that before the end of the year, that this week, you can make a difference. That you can do that. So we encourage you to do that. <coughs> You'll hear more about that on our social media. We'll be sending out an email this week. If we don't have your email address, you can also put that on the connection card. But we want you to be a part of that. That's next Sunday. That's, that's how you can make a difference this week. We already talked about opportunities for you to serve. If you're available Saturday afternoon, you want to help us move some things over to the fairgrounds, that would be awesome. You could come and serve in that way. Starting December 1st, we're going to start our Christmas sermon series. It's called Come Home for Christmas. And this is important because it's, it's a proven fact that people during the holidays, during Easter and Christmas especially, are more likely to go to church if they're invited because they're they're, they're kind of open to those kind of things at those times of year. The Sunday before Christmas is typically the second highest attended Sunday of the year. And so we're, we're structuring our uh, Christmas sermon series to be an evangelistic sermon series. We want people to come home for Christmas, come home to their relationship with the Lord, come home to all that God has for them. And we're going to be talking about Christmas traditions different traditions that people have in their homes at Christmas. It's going to be an incredible sermon series. We'd love for you to be a part. And the way that you can make a difference in that is that you can simply invite someone to join you here and to be a part of that. We have cards in the back, the, the cards that says, I, I, come sit with me, and it tells a service that you attend, and you can hand those out. You can share social media, Facebook posts, all that kind of stuff. Those are different ways that you can invite people. But that's, that's a way that you can make a difference in someone's life. Someone likely invited you to come to church at one point in your life and made a huge difference in your life. Someone taught you. Someone prayed with you. Someone drove a bus that got you to church somewhere sometime. You can make a difference in someone's life like that. Once again this year, we're going to be doing a Heart of Christmas offering, and we're selecting a few community organizations that we want to give to and support, and you'll have opportunities to do that as we get closer to Christmas. We actually have individuals in this church that 
uh, were so excited about our Heart of Christmas offering last year, and they couldn't give as much as they wanted to last year, so they've been giving throughout the year for our Heart of Christmas offering because they want to make a difference in our community at the holidays. So that's an opportunity that you can get involved with. There's two events in our community that we partner with and support. One is happening on December 8th. It's Christmas at the Griffin. It's an opportunity for you to go, be a part of a Christmas concert, give to that if you like, but also if you want to serve and setting up, you can do that. Whitewater Church hosts that, and they host it at the Griffin Theater where they meet, so it's an incredible opportunity. In addition to that, there's the Serve the Servants Christmas dinner on December 25th on Christmas Day. Members of our community gather together and they serve a meal to the first responders, and it's an incredible way for people to give back and to say thank you to those that serve not only on Christmas Day, and so many would balk at the idea of having to work, but they serve throughout the year, and it's a way for us to, to give back and to serve and to say thank you. On December the 18th, we're having family communion, and we love for this event to be more than just you and your immediate family, more than just the people that are already here. We'd love for you to invite your extended family to come and be a part of it. It's not a, a service. It's not a, there's not an altar call given, none of those kinds of things, but it's incredible to see even in a family communion setting, you just... We'll schedule a time and come in with your family and all those that we bring with you. We reflect on the year and all that God's done. We celebrate those things he's done in your life. Melanie and I will pray with you and your family. And then we take communion together in a private setting with just you and your family. And God has used that setting several times in this church over the last few years to bring people that have not attended this church to be a part of this church. It's been an evangelistic tool. And we'd love to continue to see that. So invite your friends and your family. Even invite unsaved family members because many of them at Christmas will be receptive to that invitation, especially when they know it's a private setting with just you and your family. Christmas at New Life, December 22nd, the second most highly attended Sunday of the year, only after Easter. We want to make it a big celebration. It's going to be an awesome time here celebrating the birth of our Savior. Those are a, a ton of ways that you can make a difference. You can make a difference this week. You can make a difference in the next six weeks this year. You can decide that next year you're going to serve in an area that you've never served before, that you can be involved in a ministry you've never been involved before, that you're going to serve our community in some new way. There's lots of incredible opportunities. Jesse, if you'll go ahead and come and begin to play. <coughs> Edward Everett Hale puts it this way. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but I still can do something. And because I cannot do everything... I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. What is it that God is calling you to do that can make a difference? One person can make a difference. One church can make a difference in a community. I want to close with one final scripture. And I want you to see something today that maybe you've never seen before. Isaiah 58. I want to read a few verses to you. This passage of scripture can be applied. It's, it's, it's specifically about fasting, but it can be applied to any spiritual exercise. It can be applied to the church. And I want you to watch what God says in Isaiah 58, verse 5 through 12. And this is what I want you to take out of here today. This is God speaking. And he says, is this the kind of fast? And I want you to think, is this the kind of church? Is this the kind of Christianity that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Like you're just doing this for you, you're just doing this for your benefit? Is this only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? 
Is that what you call being a Christian? Is that what you call being a church? One day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? Here it is. I'm looking, I'm looking for a church. I'm looking for Christians. I'm looking for people in Laramie, Wyoming who will loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? In other words, I'm not just going to feed myself and clothe myself and take care of my needs, but I'm going to pay attention to others. I understand that the reason that I'm blessed is to be a blessing, and I'm positioned and I'm commissioned by God. And God says, if you do this, he's going to respond. And this is one of the only places in Scripture that I know that God says, if you do these things, I'm going to give you 12 promises. Maybe there's other places in the Bible. This is the only place I know of 12. This is... This is pretty important. If God says, if you'll live this way, if you'll do these things, I'll respond in these 12 ways, and these are big things. They're on the screen, and I have numbered them for you, starting in verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, one, and your healing will quickly appear, two. Then your righteousness will go before you, three, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, four. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Five, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves, not focused on yourselves, but on behalf of the hungry and to satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness and your night will become like the noonday. That's six. We're only halfway through. Keep following along. The Lord will always guide you. Seven, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Eight, he will strengthen your frame. Nine, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Is anyone getting excited about this? That's just ten. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. Eleven, and you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets. And dwellings. That's 12. I'm telling you that there's a blessing that comes when you say, Oh God, I just want to please you. And I know that you've blessed me. And that you haven't just blessed me so that I can eat and I can spend it and I can drive it all. But you've blessed me so that I can be a blessing to others. And I want to take care of those who are closest to your heart. New Life Church, I believe that we're going to reach the nations, that we're we're going to impact this community. We will experience the joy that Jesus describes from bearing fruit and being his disciples. We're going to make a difference and we're going to lay up treasures in heaven. One person can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference today. You can make a difference this week before the end of the year. And when you begin to make a difference, the days and the weeks and the years begin to add up and you look back at a life that has made an incredible difference and a church can make a difference when they say, today I'm going to make a difference. And this week I'm going to make a difference. And this year, and all of a sudden, the years and the days and the weeks and the months pile up and a church can look back and see how God has used them to make a difference. We can do it. We can make a difference. One person, one church matters. One person, one church can make an incredible difference in the lives of people. Will you bow your heads today? God, we want to be used by you. 
We want to be used by you. Lord, would our lives be used by you, placed in your hands to make a difference in a way that we can never do on our own. God, your church placed in your hands, would you use it to make a difference in this community and around the world? Speak to us today, Lord. Today, if you're here and you are far from God, it's the reason we exist, so that people that are far from God can experience new life in Christ. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you have before, but today you know you're not in a right relationship with Him. You want to live a life that matters and that makes a difference. You want to fulfill your purpose. God's positioned you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to bless you to be a blessing to others. But it doesn't happen absent of a relationship with Him. Today, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to pray a simple prayer. I want to invite everyone here to give you an opportunity to pray. Repeat these words after me. There's nothing special or magical about these words. Simply, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. It's a promise for you today. Will you pray with me today all over this place? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin. Today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that when he died on the cross, he died for my sin. And today I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head still bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to ask you to embarrass yourself or come to the front, but if you're here and you pray that prayer, whether making Jesus the Lord, your Lord for the first time or you knew you're not in a right relationship and you're coming back to a place of right relationship with the Lord, would you just slip your hand up and right back down today acknowledging that you've prayed that prayer and made Jesus the Lord of your life. Is there anyone here today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that in your hands, one life can make a difference. That your church can make a difference. That you have positioned us. You've commissioned us. Lord, you've blessed us beyond what we ever will realize. Thank you, God. I pray that we would begin to walk into the anointing and the calling that you have for our lives. That we would begin to make a difference in our families, in our community, in the world around us. That we would be a city on a hill. That we'd be the light of the world that you've called us to be. Lord, let us make a difference this week. Lord, maybe a simple invitation to a Thanksgiving lunch next Sunday makes a huge difference in a person's life. Maybe a decision today to take the next step in baptism. Maybe it's becoming a member of the church. Maybe it's serving in some capacity. Maybe it's just being obedient to something that you've been tugging on our heart and asking us to do for a while, but we've yet to respond. God, would you just continue to speak? And would we be obedient? Will we hear your voice and obey? The sheep know the shepherd's voice and they obey. God, would that be true of us today? We thank you for it. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.